Hello and welcome to night number 24 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 3, The Franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 24 takes us back to Crystal Lake, but only for a little bit. Crystal Lake somehow connects to the Atlantic Ocean. But anyway, we'll get into that in a moment as far as plot inconsistencies or the actual plot device not making much sense. Kane Hodder is back as Jason Voorhees in the 1989 Rob Heaton-directed Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. So the title of the Friday the 13th films have been brutally honest, such as A New Beginning, that was not with Jason as the killer, and then you also have Jason Lives. They're telling you immediately in the title that Jason lives. This one, they're telling you Jason is leaving Crystal Lake and he's taking on Manhattan. The problem with that is majority of the film is not actually in New York or Manhattan. Majority of the film is on a boat. When we actually get to New York and Jason is in Manhattan, or should I say New York City in Times Square, it makes next to no sense that this one was actually called Jason Takes Manhattan. As far as what I see, Manhattan's not even in the movie. New York is not really in the movie. If it sounds like I'm bashing this film, I am. It is actually a fun movie. It's known as one of the worst Friday the 13th films by fans. I actually like this one a little bit. It's just that it's never actually boring, but it's a chore to sit through because we're waiting for Jason to get to the New York antics and it never really happens. There's a few funny moments when we finally get there, which I'll get into in a little bit. But overall, the movie takes place on a boat. Maybe they should have called it Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason goes boating. Jason goes on a cruise. I don't know. They probably could have come up with a better title. However, the title Jason Takes Manhattan is actually a good title. I like that title. The problem is it doesn't really fit the movie. So while I had my mini rant right there, I think we should actually dive into some of the things I liked about the movie or noticed and whatnot. The actual opening and music, it's a smooth pop song to open up the film. It feels completely different, uh, specifically with the other Friday the 13th films. It fits more with a city film from the 80s such as a film that would take place in New York. So it's actually nice that it separates itself from the other Friday the 13th films in that way. Of course, in Friday the 13th Part 6, we were treated to a lot of Alice Cooper tunes. Here we get none of the rock and hair metal that would probably be more fitting to the slasher genre in general. A Nightmare on Elm Street wisely kept that hair metal rockin' tradition and this one breaks it, but it fits the movie, so I actually like that, that they tried something different here. Of course, what else is Friday the 13th known for other than kills? The sex and nudity. Again, part 6 had no nudity whatsoever, but had the odd sex jokes throughout. This one wastes no time in showing some nudity, and that's about all you see, if, if I remember correctly. So if any of you people are watching these specifically for the nudity and sex, 
you'll be disappointed that it only occurs at the very beginning of the film. It also breaks tradition of the Friday the 13th films in it almost always has a kill first in the movies. But here we're getting treated to a sex scene and a ridiculous opening such as how Jason is brought back. Jason is once again at the bottom of Crystal Lake. He goes and is brought back by electricity. The anchor for the boat at the beginning of the film goes and hits a power line, I believe, or something underneath, and it brings Jason back to life through electricity. So if we're thinking about it, Jason could honestly be a slasher version of Frankenstein's monster. Having been brought back by electricity twice, I think the parallel is definitely there to Frankenstein's monster. Even though I know director Tom McLaughlin for Friday the 13th Part 6, I do know he was inspired a little bit by the classic Universal movie Monsters. And it's weird that they use the same device to try to bring Jason back here. It's not bad, I just wish they would have found a more original way to do it. There are actually some fun moments here. I do like some of the kills, which I'll run down in just a moment. When Jason actually gets to New York, one of the funny scenes is a boxing scene between the one character and Jason. Of course, it doesn't fare so well for the unfortunate high school graduate here. As Jason proceeds to do a one-punch kill, or in this case, a one-punch decapitation, and it proceeds to fly down a shaft, land in a dumpster, and the dumpster proceeds to close. It's a very funny moment, and it's ridiculous and cheesy. I don't care. I sat through eight of these so far, and I love the dumb, cheesy nature of them. I do like that Jason winds up taking a subway ride as he's chasing after our victims here. Quite possibly the best part about it, though, is... No one's questioning that this guy that looks like Jason Voorhees, even if they have no idea who Jason Voorhees actually is, nobody questions it. We have him go through the subway, chase after him. He goes into a restaurant and chases after the victims as well again. Nobody says, oh, look at what he's wearing. I guess it's supposed to be commonplace in New York that there's going to be just some strange occurrences I guess people just accept the fact that there's this guy running around with a hockey mask. It's okay. We do get a little bit of a fourth wall break too when Jason finally makes his way out of the water and we're in New York. There's a hockey mask on a billboard and it proceeds to show Jason right there too. It's a pretty funny moment. I think possibly my favorite scene in the movie next to the boxing decapitation is when Jason is walking through Times Square and there's a couple of New York punk rockers there that seem to be listening to rap, if I recall correctly, which is strange in itself. But then he goes and he kicks their boombox. They threaten him. Jason is having none of it. He turns around, just stares at him, and lifts up his mask. We went into the parody territory and... I wish that there would have been more New York scenes with Jason interacting with the locals. It would have been a much better movie. It would have been a much more entertaining film. But yet, we only get that little 20 minutes 
maybe a half hour. I'm being generous with saying a half hour in New York. I don't know if I agree with the depiction of New York here. It looks like toxic sludge and toxic waste is sitting around everywhere. I do know the stereotype and also the depiction in movies of New York was never that great. It was always a seedy place and I guess in the 80s it was but then again it's not the way it's depicted here in the film I can't imagine they would actually have toxic waste sitting everywhere not only that underground New York apparently toxic waste floods and flows freely every night under New York I have a hard time believing that. I know this is a plot device for the movie, but it's unreal. But then again, why am I even questioning any of the stuff that takes place? This is a Friday the 13th film. Obviously, it's not real life. It's just a little bit of a ridiculous depiction that they have toxic waste sitting around everywhere. So while I said about the good stuff and I went on a little bit of a rant, stuff that made me laugh a little bit, I think we should talk about the movie's problems. Obviously, the movie not taking place in New York and primarily being set on a boat is one of the issues. The other issue is that it sort of rips off a plot device from the last Friday the 13th film with the whole idea of telekinesis and a psychic link. While we don't have telekinesis here, we do have the character of Rennie that has a psychic link with Jason. And I don't really like that they did that. It makes me wonder, why do we need more of that here? If you think about it, the timeline of the films doesn't even work. If Rennie was a child when she learned to swim to now where she is high school age, yet she, she saw Jason as a child in Crystal Lake and has a psychic connection to him. So this is Jason's ghost that is stalking everyone, and his ghost is at the bottom of the lake? How is he brought back with electricity? And then when we see Jason at the end die by a toxic waste tidal wave in the sewer, we see him back as a kid. So I guess it's solidifying the fact that he's a combination of a ghost zombie? I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of the whole thing. That is one thing that I noticed with the Friday the 13th films is that if you're looking for continuity between them, this is probably the worst as far as having that continuity. Either way, it's something that I really didn't like that they included this. I guess they needed something to string everything along, but the whole psychic connection idea did not do much for me overall. And before I close this one out, I do want to do a rundown of the kills. In this film, we have a harpoon spear gun through the gut, harpoon through the heart, guitar smash with blood splattering the camera, hot rock through the gut, which is actually a more inventive kill, stabbed with a broken mirror shard, stabbed through the back, machete throat slit, strangling, blind shooting, engine room electrocution, thrown from a ship mast, thrown overboard, axe in the back, needle fist through the stomach, steam pipe head smash, boxing match decapitation, which I mentioned earlier, blown up in a car, and a New York thug slash rapist gets his head dunked in, of course, toxic waste, which New York has sitting around everywhere. So I complained about most of this film not taking place in New York, 
and that was for budgetary reasons. A lot of the film wasn't even shot in New York. We only have a few scenes that were actually shot there. All the other scenes were shot in Canada. I'm assuming that's for a cost-saving measure. They only really had enough money for two days to shoot in New York. And that's a shame, because if they would have gone full-on into the Jason in New York, we would have had a much better film. As it stands, it's still a fun movie, especially if you watch the other ones in the series. We get more of the same here. A lot of the same plot devices that you've seen in the other Friday the 13th films, but we're not really watching these for an Oscar-winning actual good film. We're watching them because we want pure escapist entertainment, and that's exactly what this film provides. I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, go ahead and send me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on some past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would give a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue to make new episodes and reach new listeners. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.